And he's back. Donald Trump is back, Joe. That's, that's all that matters? That's the big news this week. It's great news, no? Yeah. He's going to make Twitter great again. Yeah. Make America great again. Do you know what his... Save the world. Yeah. Well, it's just... It's, it's only fair, you know? It's only fair. It's only fair. We want to... We're all about fairness and, you know, equality uh-huh. and freedom. Right? Right. He, uh, do you know his, you know what he, uh, what he got done for? You know why he got booted? Yeah, I looked on the Twitter page. They have a, a yeah. blog post about it. Yeah. You have it too? Uh, yeah. Uh, here it is here. Um, blog, blog.twitter.com. Permanent suspension of Aunt Real Donald Trump. Just to give you an idea of what people are. You know why it's even an issue. You know that it, to the extent that it's an issue, of course, the media make it an issue and stuff because of the whole history and legacy of Trump and all that kind of stuff. But that's a whole other story. But this is one of the, this is the first one. You just see it there. It says um, closer view of recent tweets from Donald Trump account, specifically how they are being received and interpreted um, in the con- <laughs> uh, the way they write about. It. This is old Twitter, right? In the context of the horrific events this week. Obviously, they're talking about January 6th. They're um, horrific events, which is horrific. I was horrified. I laughed, actually, but anyway. Um, horrific events this week. Um, we made it clear on Wednesday that additional violations of the Twitter rules would potentially result in the very in this very course of action, blah, blah, blah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Go on to the next one. Yeah, the second one then is the um, second page of it, basically. So the ter- determination to boot Donald Trump was based on a number of factors, including Trump's statement that he will not be attending the inauguration. Because context, Neil, context, before you get worked up about that, context is yeah. it's being per- received by a number of his supporters, probably like half a dozen, as further confirmation that the election was not legitimate and is seen as disavowing his previous claim made via two tweets. And the second tweet may also serve as encouragement to those potentially considering violent acts that the inauguration would be a safe target as he will not be attending. So basically, both of them relate to him not attending it. Therefore, bomb the... Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to that I'm not going to that event. All your your supporters are so nuts that they'll say, Right, that's an opportunity, let's bomb it. Right. Uh and then they they, they reference two of his tweets there. Um actually I have them here. These are two tweets that the two like, t- tweets he sent that they're referring to, and the the two of the last tweets that he that he tweeted uh before he got booted. Um <laughs> I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. And please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. So, in... Okay, so they might seem normal to you, Neil, but the subtext there is... uh, The subtext there is that people were seeing that as an incitement to violence there because um, he's not going to the inauguration, therefore. That's code. That's that's a Q code, QAnon code for attack the inauguration. Yeah. The other one they used was that the, I have the blog statement here. The use of the words American patriots, in quotes, mm. to describe some of his supporters is also being interpreted as support for those committing 
violent acts at the U.S. Capitol. Furthermore, the mention of his supporters having a, quote, giant voice long into the future and that they will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape or form is being interpreted by Twitter as further indication that President Trump does not plan to facilitate an orderly transition and instead that he plans to continue to support, empower and shield those who believe he won the election. That the, so they're saying that the, the suggestion is that he doesn't support an orderly, orderly transition because he had tweeted previously uh, that there would be an orderly transition. Or he, I don't know if he tweeted it, but he had said, I think it was a tweet that he, as well, that there would be an orderly transition. That was his admission that it, that it, would, that it would be, you know, there was not going to be any problem. But don't believe that. Yeah. Now, at the time, maybe, let's try and play devil's advocate. Maybe at the time when things were on the knife edge, yeah. on January 6th and for a couple of days thereafter, yeah. January 8th is when he was booted off. Right. Maybe at that time they still were not sure that before the inauguration, Trump would not do something. Yeah. But in hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm. it's farcical. He just yielded completely, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. The um, inauguration went ahead, and it went ahead basically with no crowds, no supporters. Right. Which conveniently probably, you know, reflected the actual level of support for Biden. But I'm not even going to go there because let's just say it's because of the reason Twitter gave which were probably being talked about widely in D.C. at the time, we can't let anyone at the Capitol because of security risks. Right. So instead, we're going to fence it off, have lots of loads mm-hmm. of military, mm-hmm. what, 10,000 mm-hmm. troops were brought in or something for the event uh, and stayed there till May that year. Um, so it's... Yeah, but, but let's look at the context. Since Twitter, Twitter used to be anyway, old Twitter was about the context. The context... All of that was that there were serious questions about the legitimacy of that election. Um, and that was, you know, probably the first time, in, uh, I can't say for all of American history, but I'm going to say anyway, for the first time, of, first time in American history, there was that level of widespread popular dissent and discontent with the result of a presidential mm-hmm. election. Trump said that in his video. Right. Uh, uh, he posted, uh, tweeted a short video, mm-hmm. said this is... Credible what's happening, probably the first time in our history. Yeah, but so, please go home. But is there the any, right? But is there any basis? The question then is: there any justification for it? How do you, I mean? Obviously, people dismiss it and say that's Trump. Trump made those people do that. Trump made those people. He encouraged those people to think that way, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that's not obviously not true. That was a that was a grassroots suspicion about uh, the the twenty twenty yeah. election well, results. January sixth insurrection in quotes has completely uh, whitewashed. The large-scale protests there were mm. before that, and mm-hmm. not just in D.C. Mm-hmm. against the election, the way it was carried out, right? And, and so on. yeah, the, the so, seriously anomalous so goings-on. Let's say the the other side's defense is this is what this is farcical. There were no serious, nothing was ever brought to a, a, a judge. There were no serious claims, or if they were, they were investigated, found to be local, isolated. There, were, there was nothing that swayed the overall result, and there's no evidence of it. Let's give them that. But what they will never talk about, because it's overshadowed completely by the Capitol Hill incident on January 6th, are the mass demonstrations mm. against the result. Mm-hmm. You see, that's, that's the switcheroo. That's where you had to have been paying attention, and that's where you have to maintain that attention, because you, you, all you've been bombarded with is one protest ever since. Right. And that's all they want you to remember. Right. They also want the, the key take-home message of it was protesting against that election result equals violence and the threat of the collapse of our 
beautiful system, right? Mm. Therefore, to be an election suspect, critic, denier is to be violent or mm. threatening such. Yeah. Therefore, election denying but, is violent, bad. Not even. Yeah, but it's it's when become would, so loaded and tarnished ever since that as soon as you start to articulate anything like that, ah, violence. If, if you allow for the possibility of some kind of popular insurrection or uprising, what would be a justifiable cause? If you, you know, if, 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 it's, if you imagine that in any country, the people at a certain per, in a certain uh, in certain circumstances will be justified in uh, you know marching on government to air their grievances. What do you have any examples of? Well, of, it'll only of, ever of, be written by the victors of a successful revolution. Because what, what, the regime what at the time, in any given circumstance, will always say that there's none. Yeah, but forget about but the narrative. What would be? What would be the? You know, anybody? Any? Would any? Would the average citizen agree that there are certain circumstances where an uprising against the government, violent or not violent or whatever, protest, major protest to to address serious problems? What would those serious problems be that would that would justify that? In my, well, well, in the American experience, it would be overtaxation. Right, but British King. Well, the first thing that tax on tea. The first thing that occurs to me would be uh, uh, a subversion of the electoral process. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be the first thing that would occur to me always, like in, in, in a sense. I mean, over and above, you know, obvious totalitarianism and you know, you know, oppression of the people in, in serious ways, but in, in an otherwise nominally democratic country, a free country. The only thing that yeah. the, the, the gold standard, the thing that uh, that, that it, it keeps, you know, that Democ- makes, makes the country a free country, is the electoral yeah. process, free De- and fair elections. Democracy's raison d'être is right. to have elections in place of one armed group overthrowing the other armed right. group and, and right. going exactly. on and on and on. Like right. that's why you do it. Right. So if you take that away, then it's back to armed groups. Basically, that, that's seen as justified at that point with, with no more recourse because the democratic process has broken has been. Yeah, has been. Uh, but you notice subverted. that we're jumping the gun here because there was no armed insurrection, right? But the That's appearance of one was cleverly placed. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 cunning. It's yeah. really cunning what they did. Mm-hmm. They anticipated mm-hmm. what would ordinarily happen. Maybe not in this. They would maybe have gone home, and then the next election mm-hmm. would have been even more egregious, and so on. Mm-hmm. It snowballed to a point where you do have armed groups. Yeah having a kind of, well, the military would be in mutiny, for starters. They'd right. side with police and there'd be enough actual force of arms to even think about and try carrying one out. Yeah. You know, Joe Biden has, since this election, mocked Americans twice on two occasions, saying, what do you need? What do you talk about your guns? Do you want to overthrow us? You need F-15s and tanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, again, like a kind of like... It was a non sequitur because it was in the context of mass shootings and should we, you know, suppress a people's ability to, to have Go access ahead. to heavy firearms, they are 15, there's usually mm. the, 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 the boogie gun that uh, they, they pull out. Well, and it's a strange non sequitur to make, but there's a, a hint, a strong hint, a suggestive hint behind it. You want to overthrow us. Mm-hmm. You're going to need an army. Mm-hmm. You know? again, it, it, but again, it forestalls or anticipates Maybe what in the back of their mind they know is legitimately the one thing that could force them mm-hmm. back in line. Yeah, yeah. If that were the case, if they hadn't in fact robbed, uh, subverted the will of people and robbed uh, Trump 
mm-hmm. of his second term. Yeah, it will be justified. So it's my point, I suppose, was that it's it's not reasonable to to portray the idea of or for the media and the government, whoever, to portray the idea of any kind of you know popular insurrection of some type against government to, to, to portray that as being beyond the pale, that that should never happen. There are situations where I think any reasonable person would say, pushed to a certain limit, that, that that would be their only recourse and you couldn't say it's a bad thing. Well, obviously it would be a bad thing, but it's not their fault and it's a reasonable course of action. So it's, it shouldn't be... What they did was they, 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 they smeared it and blackened it in their, hopefully from their point of view forever more Four, yeah. right by, by preempting it like, like you said and making it this horrible terrible 9-11 type event type thing you know? so let, oh, let, worse let than this, 9-11 worse though. than 9-11 let this never happen again type thing but it's hang on a minute you know in certain situations where the government goes passes you know a certain red line the, the people have to do something about it not only should or are entitled to do, to do something about it but have to do something and about the, it and the family fathers yeah, <laughs> the that's United part States of wrote the, about it right. incessantly yeah, yeah. it's bla- emblazoned on flags right. you know the, the, the tree of liberty must right. be shed with the so the only question of pirates yeah. from time to time right so the only the only thing that's left open or left up for debate really is, is not whether or not an insurrection uh, is admissible in certain situations but rather in a situation where there might be one brewing is there just cause to to have it? But that's obviously a story, a uh, question for another day. Another day after uh, well, well, YouTube, well, after Elon Musk <laughs> buys YouTube. Um, <laughs> well, we can talk about it because that's what history, that's what happens in history. You know, when, it's one thing to, you know, agitate and call for it, but mm. like cause and effect, mm-hmm. it's natural. There, it, it's, and you know, like a, we covered it, but it tacitly, they're, they're aware that it's in the air. Mm. That there's a basis for it, and that there's, it's there's thought or maybe some discussion. Maybe I don't know what their surveillance picks up the chatter going on out there, but they're aware that uh, this is what Americans would think. It's as bizarre act on to think next. about. Just it's bizarre actually to think about it in those terms. It's it's kind of surreal almost to think about it in those terms. Um, that let's let's go to fantasy land, right? For the for the sake of YouTube. Uh, and censors, let's go into uh, hypothetical fantasy land. Let's just, let's say hypothetically that um, the twenty twenty election was rigged and stolen against Trump. Mm-hmm. Then the response of the people, Trump supporters, to that, and the response of the state and the government to that was effectively that whole package of rigging an election and then putting down. People who tried to who revolted against against the powers that be who rigged the election and uh, denied it to the people's candidate. Let's say um, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> it's like the the, the classic um, accusation that the West and particularly America makes about other countries. Mm-hmm. That they, I mean, throughout like the twentieth century, that's what they've said goes on in other countries. Dodgy rigged elections. Some people rise up against it or a certain percent of the population rise up and, and try to do something about it and then the regime violently cracks down on it. And it was nearly always fake news. But yeah. It was a lie in well, almost every case yeah. put out there to right. simulate 
but it has happened, let's say, in, in certain places in, in, in the world over the course of the 20th century. Sure. You know, it sure ha- it definitely has happened. But it's just interesting to look at the way it's it happens when, in the cases where it has happened uh, elsewhere in the world and the way it happens in a very kind of blatant, obvious way and the way in this hypothetical scenario it may have happened uh, in the USA. It's like so much more, so much nicer and more democratic the way they do exactly the same thing or apparently democratically they do the same thing, you know. It's amazing. To think that in essence is exactly the same is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So just contrast, like say it was Iran or say it was any other country, whatever, say true or not, let's say, you know, obvious rigged elections, the only one party gets 99.9% of the vote mm. and then protesters go out in the street and then, you know, police come in and beat heads and shoot people. And to think that that could have happened in America but happened in the way that it played out in 2020. Again, that's all hypothetical. I'm just presenting a hypothetical scenario here, you know. Mm. Um, but it's amazing to think of it. It's just kind of like a mental exercise, you know, to just see... Food for thought. Yeah. Food for thought. The, the very, very, very big differences between the way... And the way it's portrayed, you know, and the way it's presented to the public. Anyway, those two tweets I just sent... Uh, it's interesting to think... I, we were talking earlier on about um, off-air about Twitter and in the Anglosphere, let's say, because that's what we're... I don't know how many people from other countries and other languages are on Twitter, but I don't know how many people... I'm, I don't know how many accounts there are on Twitter individual accounts. Um, I, I don't think know if, Musk is still trying to figure that out. I don't, know, I don't know if that's actually publicly available information or anybody knows it, but in the Anglosphere, um, I'd be interested to know how many people actually have a Twitter account, What you know, how many millions of people have a Twitter account and have an active Twitter account. Um, the interesting thing was in the Trump poll that Elon Musk mm-hmm. uh, put out there a few days ago that eventually got Trump reinstated, i.e. reinstated former President Trump, yes or no? Yes was 52% to 48%. Basically. Uh-huh. I don't know, some between 10, 15 million people or something voted. Uh, but the, the interesting thing was um, yeah. Musk has 110 million f- followers on Twitter. <clears throat> uh, are, how many of those are, are, they, are they, a lot of those fake accounts? I don't know. Are they real people? Are there Somebody's all- done analysis of it uh, to the best that they can from the outside and Think that they think three quarters of his are fake accounts. Really? Yeah. Seventy-four percent is the figure I, I exalted. I don't have it to hand. Sorry. Wow. <clears throat> I don't know how reliable that is, but he himself is. Yeah, mammoth has to try and figure out if those people are real or not, and whether you should boot them. You know, which ones you should dismiss. You know what I mean? Can you know for sure that an account is a fake account or not? You know? Yeah. Um, <coughs> well, excuse me. It, yeah, it depends on the criteria you're using. Some of them are, would be obvious to, to figure out. In other cases, it's a real person. It's what, it's what they call classically when the internet age began, before they use AI mm. to do this stuff. They, they use sock puppet accounts. Sock right. puppet is when you have one guy in US Cyber, Cyber Command has like two, right. 200 accounts. And he just replicates it. We saw well, evidence of that. You remember when people during the COVID thing, I don't know if I can say this on YouTube, but um, I'm just reporting what happened, right? People would do collages of this exact same statement made by, well, yeah. make up a number, 20, 20 30, 40 accounts. Yeah. And, you know, they do a montage image of this exact same text. Mm-hmm. I got the shot and this happened to me. Blah, 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 mm-hmm. Like, um, that kind of thing goes on. And in those cases, sock puppetry is a person, not a bot. But they're just replicating, copy-paste, same comment yeah. across. They got, 
they have multiple accounts to multiple email accounts and stuff like that. So that's a real part. That's sock puppetry. But I think it's smaller now than bots. What do you call yeah, what do you call the group in the UK, British military group? Seventy seven? The seventy seventh brigade, brigade, but there's an older unit from GCHQ. Seventy seventh brigade is British military intelligence. Yeah. But they they're employing people. Yes. To actual soldiers. Yeah. To well, are they soldiers? I think it's probably amazing. most. You know, only a bit of a waste of <laughs> soldiers training. You know, basic training and and, and skills to be sitting on a computer well, just they, typing into accounts all day. You know, there's less and less war fighting to do yeah. these days. So. Yeah, yeah. You got to keep them ha- keep them busy somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, throw up those two. It's just an example. The reason I was asking that is is like um, Biden and <clears throat> Biden and Putin's uh, Twitter accounts. Sorry, not Biden and Putin. Uh, Biden and Trump's Twitter accounts. Easy mistake to make. Easy mistake. So Trump's uh, eighty-three point one, and Joe Biden is thirty-six point four. Uh, that's gone up from. Uh, that's that's probably in real time. When I talked to you this morning, I thought, "Oh gosh, he's only yeah. got, he's only got twenty-five million." It's they reinstated. They reset it to the, zero. Yeah. No, they reinstated his previous oh. number before he was banned. So that's the number he had. But anyway, that, right. that, those numbers are pretty much the same. I haven't changed that much over over the course of the past year. Might have been gone for a year, right? Or is it two years? Almost two years. Anyway, um, he has more than twice as many followers. Is that? Can you use that as a metric? As oh an, gosh, Joe, of course not. Can you? <laughs> no, but no, but just for you can, no. not for the population. I think you can. No, but just for Twitter. Yeah. In terms of how Twitter is weighted. Yeah. Of course, everybody who's following someone doesn't doesn't mean that they support them. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, can you use those metrics in any way in, in that respect, as, as in terms of I did popular it. support or interest, even in the person? I did. And a bit does, of inter- this. does interest translate to support? Who knows? But Trump obviously has twice more than twice as many. Um, I remember seeing quite a bit of this um, kind of research of publicly available numbers of the candidates coming into the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. And the Republican ones, especially Trump versus Hillary, um, just dwarfed. The numbers dwarfed. Plus, some there was also some psychographic stuff where they can show you it in graphs and stuff. The engagement mm. and stuff. Right. Um, how many the likes, response how many to comments. the tweets, likes, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, it was – it blew them out of the water. On that score, they blew them out of the water totally. Mm. Um, then, then you go to other anecdotal stuff like how many people turned up for a rally for Hillary where right, she yeah, was yeah. cancelling some. right. For health reasons, partly yeah. true, but also because no one wants to go. Versus Trump's, you know, million man super. Yeah, we saw that over the past yeah five six years since Trump won and then ran for re-election and stuff. And just, I mean, any anybody looking at it would say it looks based on just a, a, a superficial observation of of you know important metrics like that of engagement, how many people are responding, and uh, numbers at rallies and all that kind of stuff. Any reasonable person would conclude that Trump was more popular than Clinton and Trump was more popular than Biden, you know? Mm. And, but you're not allowed to draw that conclusion, uh, especially whenever no, because Biden wins. because you're denying democracy. It's just such a... It's what do you mean par- denying democracy? Paralog- well, you're denying democracy after it's the paralogical. event. It's After the event. Well, well, no, what I mean is even before the actual uh, election results, anybody would say, well, it looks like yeah. you know, Trump's probably going to win here. He's probably got more vo- votes. And then he doesn't get it. And you have to go, well, I was wrong. You know, my, my, my just innocent, honest observation of on various different metrics of the popularity of this guy versus this guy says this guy is more popular. Oh, apparently I was wrong. Here's another mind bender. 
the in these youth categories, right? Mm-hmm. The official results of the midterms, something like in the first two categories, so that's eighteen to twenty four, and then twenty four to thirties. Democrats landslide victory, especially in the youngest, sixty eight percent, I think, of eighteen to twenty four year olds. If they're voting, vote blue mm-hmm. over red. So that's like the internet aid. That's the kids who are most engaged. With. Right. They're the. They're the, they're on Twitter. Right. They know what they know what it is. They're engaged on the internet. Yeah. As opposed to a lot of people who obviously use the internet at this point, but mostly passively. Right. They're not news hands. They're not into the politics. They're not activists for a cause or something. Yeah. So, of the segment of the population that's into the internet and into politics at all, officially they're overwhelmingly blue. But we've just had a Twitter poll of fifteen million and eighty-five thousand people. That was the poll. Presumably, 50, they're all fifty million. Re- I don't voted. know how many of them are real people. Fifty million. Fifteen. Fifteen, 15 million yeah. voted. Yes, most uh, final final result was. And well, it it looks close, fifty-two forty-eight. But I'm not even sure that was the real result because apparently people were watching the first twelve hours and they said it was like it was running about eighty twenty percent. Yeah. And then there was a massive catch up. Yeah. Um, to the point that Musk was warned by someone. Check out this exchange. He he's he's definitely he knows what he's doing and he's up to something. Elon Musk. Um, I think this is it. No. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, found it. Okay, this is Musk responding to someone warning him. The, the the gaps closing. The gaps closing. You got to. There's loads of like bots or something. They're moving in. You got to check the left. And then he he replies to this person. Um. Oh, is that the one I sent? Ah, rats. Hang on. Yeah, that one. Uh, Twitter user Nomad responds: The leftist bots who don't want free speech are starting to attack the poll. And Musk responds. The bot attack confirming it's actually happening is impressive to watch. I.e., yeah, I know. I can see it too. Um, Then he follows up with, bot and troll armies might be running out of steam soon. Some interesting lessons to clean up future polls. Hmm. Anyway, several hours later, it closed and it closed at 52.48. Still, whatever, let's take it, let's take it, all things, all things cancelling, all those cheating factors cancelling each other out it's still a cultural uh, there's a cultural mismatch here between what they say about young voters and their tendency to be blue lefty engaged on the internet at all Mm -hmm. on twitter at all Mm -hmm. and a majority of a 15 million sampling of twitter users voting to reinstate Trump Mm -hmm. so it um, but then again, maybe I shouldn't be surprised. I do remember in the run-up to 2016 that um, on Twitter also, Clinton, not just that she was getting less uh, likes and retweets, but just engagement level was... Mm, yeah, yeah. Her following, I don't know what her following is now, what it was then, but it's probably similar to Biden's, you know? Yeah. Um, so who else got reinstated? Jordan Peterson did. Um... And one of his first tweets was to uh, 
And he, I think he kind of took some flack. There's a few people in that intellectual dark web, as it's as it was used to be or is I don't know known as. Um, so he got reinstated. Peterson was booted there a few months ago for his, a tweet about Elliot Page, where he basically, where she was, he, 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 she, whatever, was um, more or less advocating for, uh, you know, surgery, top surgery as they call it, for uh, gender reassignment surgery, mm-hmm. and Peterson. Child mutilation. Yeah. yeah, Peterson um, didn't take. Didn't take kindly to it and made it clear, but then, um, and he got booted for it, uh, but now he's been reinstated, and one of his first posts here, as you can see, was, uh, don't allow the anonymous, he's posting to Elon Musk, don't allow the anonymous troll demons to post with the real verified people, put them in their own hell, along with others like them. Lol, lols, bro, bro, hyper users are narcissistic, Machiavellian, psychopathic, and sadistic, and then he quotes an article, um... So he's responding to, us, to Musk talking about uh, new Twitter policy is freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. And he hate tweets or whatever will be you know, de-boosted and demonetized. So um, people took this as kind of like, some people took this as Peterson being anti-free speech, but it's, I don't think so. He's basically saying bots, basically. Uh, troll demons, bots, whatever. Um, it, they should be basically sidelined completely. Which is, of course, they should be like people who are come onto a platform that is ostensibly for, you know, as intelligent as possible uh, discussion on current events, any number of current events. You shouldn't have uh, large numbers of, especially if they're bots or, or you know, um, people with on there with the sole purpose of disrupting that speech, dis- disrupting that discussion. Right then, that would be the whole naval exactly. Yeah. Army. yeah. Well, but right there, you're yeah. running into power. It's more like uh, there's there's a line like in a certain sense it's yeah but all of it's a lot of it's motivated by like we just talked about the military uh, intelligence brigades and stuff like that who are running these kind of operations. Israeli Hasbro. Yeah, um, those th- those people who people on on social media platforms who act in that way to simply disrupt and 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 dis- destroy and disturb the, the the actual discussion from happening they should be uh, they should be sidelined. Yeah. The the opinion that they have, which is obviously against whatever opinion they're attacking, they should be they should be required to address it uh, as respectfully as possible. Uh, but they're not allowed to come in and try and destroy the discussion itself. Do you know what I mean? There's a subtle difference between the two. You know what I mean? Um, like Peterson, there is talking about uh, talking from personal experience, where he's basically had real life versions of these bots or trolls or lolls or psychopathic, coming sadistic, Machiavellian narciss- narcissists. Yeah. You know, coming in and breaking the window, abusing him. Well, just shouting, shouting abuse about his daughter, etc. Or just shouting down, trying to shout down or, or to drown out any discussion. Any, you know, so he's there at some kind of public speaking engagement inside a building or something, and they're outside making as much noise as possible, so no one inside can actually hear him. And even anybody inside who might disagree with him doesn't get a chance to disagree with him. They try to wreck the actual venue and stop the actual discussion from actually happening. Those people, obviously, in any civil society, should not be allowed to do that. It's not. If you've got a counterpoint, you come and you make it. That's it. You know, you don't get to decide that one person's opinion should be censored and removed from society in favour of yours. Mm. It's pretty simple, but obviously, apparently a lot of people don't well, agree with that these days. Well, let's, see, let's have a look. Why? Can you put the tweet back? Um, a lot of people who are, well, they're basically in agreement with him on most everything else, um, criticise 
the good doctor, I think because <clears throat> they saw Anonymous and leaped a bit to a conclusion where they thought Peterson was saying, or maybe that is what he means, that all accounts ought to be who the person really is. There should be no anonymity, but I don't think That's so. That's not what he's saying. I, I don't think, think they, they're, they, they're jumping to a conclusion. The emphasis should be on troll demons. Yeah. But now that kind of... It's, it's clear for Peterson because he has experience with who... He, yeah. he has in real mind life a certain real type of person who comes along and does that. But others, I think, went ahead. You know, They also leapt and said, well, a troll, I like to troll, but I do it in a way that's... I'm not me personally. Uh, I'm you speaking do. for you them. Do need. I'm, I'm their spokesperson here. You can see what they're doing when they're trolling. They're putting up a counterpoint or they're exposing hypocrisy. That's fine. Or they're exposing what you said last week is incongruent with what you're saying this right. week and so on. So the, the criteria, that, that could be discussed, you know. It, we, have, we have experience with this. How, how, how difficult has it been to police, police in quotes, to regulate, to manage? to maximize the freedom of discussion on a forum hmm. when it can take a long... Well, sometimes it's obvious. You know, trolls come along and they're just there to cause an and you deal with them. But then some others that take a while, they insinuate themselves yeah. in. Right. That's, that's pathology. Mm -hmm. That's like, ah, right, it takes a while and now they're starting to show their colors on this specific topic. Mm -hmm. But you can see now in hindsight how it relates to a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. And there's really something really off about this person. We should not let them on anymore, even though they're going to yell free speech, blah, 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 and claim my rights, you know? Only um, when it becomes clear that, that they're, what their agenda is, that they're here to actually try and undermine the foundations of this forum, or of, the, of this forum or discussion forum, or of this place of discussion. They want to undermine uh, everything that it's based on, which is, in general terms, uh, a place where many different viewpoints and perspectives can be discussed with the intent of coming to a kind of synthesis of, you know, getting to the, the, the heart of the matter or the crux of the matter that most people there can agree with. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you want to stop forums like that from existing. From reaching From existing. Conclusions. That you're not, yeah, right. Yeah. Not, they shouldn't be allowed to, to do that, basically, you know. Uh, yeah. Those people obviously are not there. They're not honest. They're not. They're there for ulterior motives that are destructive motives, and they should, in any society, in any situation, anybody with a destructive intent towards anything or anybody should be removed. The people who, who have created the thing that's trying to be destroyed should, should have the right to, to boot those people and say, never show your face again. Um, but that's very different from someone coming in. Troll, again, it's, it's a terminology, like, you know, troll demons. Well, he doesn't mean trolling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What, yeah. what does trolling even mean? It's like making fun of someone because in a way that exposes the fallacy of what they're trying to... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, what they're trying to say. Th that's an argument. That's a type of argument. Yeah. So it should be wide open for that kind of engagement. But there's a, there's a very clear line where the person, and like you said, it can take a while to figure out whether or not they have a, that, that what their actual intent is. Are they there? Do they just have a different opinion and they're trying to push it? Or... Are they really just... Uh, they're masking themselves they're masking by pretending by to be part pretend, of your or, or pretending to be part discussion, of it, or but not... Yeah, or pretending to even just have a different opinion, but they're to present it respectfully and just if, if, if they don't get any traction, they'll leave. No, eventually what happens is when you follow that process through, you realise that person then comes out and admits, they pull back the mask and they admit that, uh, yeah, I think you're all a bunch of assholes anyway. I never yeah. liked anything you said. I don't like this form. I don't agree with anything you've ever said. And uh, in that situation... 
Okay, with that clarification of the terms in mind, you've pulled me back from being so antagonistic towards a tweet by Peterson because I kind of tended to agree with others who were criticizing him like anonymity dude we need it some of us need it I'll lose my job I'll be cancelled you know but that's not what he meant okay fine but But given then it's more likely people who are just there to to wreck a discussion or divert it disrupt it and Mm -hmm. so on to be disrupted Mm -hmm. period and they get fun out of that it's interesting Elon Musk has already done that to a high profile figure he had like several million followers the Ethan Klein mm. guy, he was now he was done for for parroting, par- having a parody. Parody. They, no, they opened the name change and briefly this guy Klein went as Elon Musk, mm-hmm. so he was goofing off about him. Um, but I wonder was that, and that was the rationale for why Twitter booted him. But that guy was your classic troll demon, mm-hmm. so he should have been booted <clears throat> on. We haven't they. They haven't come to that place yet on, on the actual criteria of what it is to be someone pathologically disruptive and disrupt- destructive. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the problem. They're only beginning the process of finding the very terminology yeah. they need to, to agree roughly on the criteria <clears throat> for who is and is not a troll. <clears throat> Sometimes it's really obvious. A lot of the times it isn't. So my main criticism at this early juncture with Peterson's stance is, is he aware of the extent to which this is highly organized and has a lot of money behind it. When, I don't think anybody is. Well, they should be. When Ed Snowden leaked mm. a whole... Well, to the extent that Glenn Greenwald and others allowed us to see some of the PowerPoint slides, it was all up there. You know, get into forums and online social media platforms and cap just the, cap the actual title of one of the PowerPoint presentations, Disrupt, Deny, there were four Ds, Disrupt, Deny, Divert or something derail the discussion. Mm-hmm. That's their explicit job profile for government, mm-hmm. military intelligence, whatever, mm-hmm. to get onto tw- Twitter and other places, mm-hmm. to pile on, to obscure the discussion, to, to make sure it doesn't reach an insightful conclusion about mm-hmm. the heart of the matter of any given thing that's going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. The active forces against this, the, overwhel- the, the, the main threat of them comes from up there, Jordan, not from these these annoying nitwits below who he has insinuated in another post don't deserve um, they don't he was insinuated they didn't deserve the same platform as someone like me Peterson who has millions of followers <clears throat> mm-hmm. I should have be first first among equals in terms of people getting to hear me mm-hmm. he has said he has clarified in other tweets that he would like to see them down regulated in some way so there isn't an equal Mm. footing you know mm-hmm. um, yeah but i think in any like i said in, in any sane normal civilized society people with that attitude should not <clears throat> be allowed, should be ground out <clears throat> they should not be allowed a, pl- a platform or at all yeah because they don't have a platform is the point i think that the main distinction is that it's it's, it's a distinction between people who who have a, a perspective have a point of view it doesn't agree with yours and they want to put it forward they want to give it a, a we give it some airtime, basically. We want it to, have, it to have equal airtime and let people decide. There are other people, and these are the people I think that Peterson is talking about, who are like narcissistic, Machiavellian, psychopathic, and sadistic. Those people don't have a perspective. They're simply against you. Hmm. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm against what you say, if I don't agree with what you say, then the obvious question is, well, what do I think? I don't have an opinion. I don't care. I don't actually have a position. I just want to take you down. Yeah. I don't have... 
a counter argument to give. I don't have a counter perspective to give. I just hate yours. They're kind of like not, um, anarchists in a certain sense or, or, you know, people who just want to bring it all down. Right. Uh, they don't have a plan for what happens after bringing it all down. Just wreck it. I want to destroy it because I like to destroy things. Okay. So someone like that, obviously, no one, no one, they should not be entertained in any civil society, you know, platform or discourse. Yeah. Um, they have nothing to add to it. Anything no. like a democratic And that's form. what he means when he uses those terms psychopathic, narcissistic, Machiavellian. I mean, that, that describes those kind of people, you know. They're not, re- they're not serious people who have a serious uh, counterpoint to make or have a dis- different difference of opinion. Um, the other one was uh, Eric Weinstein. I don't know if anybody knows who Eric Weinstein is, but... Um, him oh, and of his, course. Him Everyone and, knows who Eric Weinstein <coughs> they do. is. Him and his brother. Two kind of like pseudo... Well, they're, they're decent enough guys, but um, he had a problem with... Uh, but the poll itself, allowing Trump back on Twitter. Mm. Uh, he said, uh, this is such bullshit, I'm sorry, but you lost me here. Are all major decisions going to be Twitter polls? Ever faced the voice of the people as a mob? Is a mob God? Come on. You wanted to reinstate him, so you did. Simple. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> yeah. Maybe he's one, the kind of person who, who is a bit uh, full of himself. As you well, know, intellectual as, as, as a, dark as, web, as an, God's yeah, sake. as an intellectual type thing, and that yeah. he looks down his nose at the at the the plebs, the plebs, yeah, yeah, um, patrician elite, noble elite, yeah, yeah, yeah. the noble lie protected. I'm not saying that he's protecting a lie per se. I think him and or yeah, Eric especially has been um, pretty good, yeah, pretty good at opening. You know, he's admitted fault here and there uh, in the pre... You can see that he's changing his beliefs as he goes along. But the politics in the U.S., he reminds me of the other guy uh, who wrote the... I mean, we've, we talked about him on the show. He wrote the book on liberals versus conservatives, their right. moral constellation, their differences. Johnson yeah. Height, you know. Um, superb, great insights, great research, great conclusions, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Trump comes along and he just goes full batshit, like... Trump is subverting our, mm-hmm. our democracies, you our, respond, our hallowed institutions. You responded to him underneath there. Yeah. Is it there? That's not me. That must be a parody account. That's a parody account, yeah. That's one of those troll demons. No, that is me, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, letting people vote in such a way that a majority decides, uh, whoever indulges in such mob rule and refrains from guiding electoral results to satisfactory conclusions. It smacks of populism, if you ask me, which is a bad word, obviously. We all know that, right? Like mm-hmm. democracy. Oh, hang on. Yep. Oh, wait. Wait, what, what? Wait, wait, no, never mind. Go down and see if, let me just scroll down a little bit to see if there's another, uh, is there not? No, it's not there. Uh, no, there's a picture. I, um, it's this one, actually. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how true it is, whatever, but... Um, <laughs> this one here. Can you hold a pause on that? Yeah. I think it's a good idea. Uh, Musk was trolling. Oh, he was serious when he winked back. Buzz Patterson suggested Trump's. Yeah. That Elon Musk's Trump poll was a bot trap. Musk winks. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But it, it, like he said in, in the other tweet, it gives him some idea of the dynamics and what they can mm-hmm. do to, mm-hmm. to counter that in the future. Yeah. Um,. Okay. Did you see this one? Is Jonathan Greenblatt? No. Oh my God. Okay, you do yours first. No, this is this is slightly off topic there. Uh, Ah, no. 
That's sexist. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, obviously, it, the the photo on the right is a recent one of Trump, uh, Musk. I nearly called him Trump there. He kind of looks like him, like a younger Trump. Anyway, uh, oh my God. Anyway, the one on the right is um, a recent photo of him in Twitter HQ meeting with. Uh, he, he posted it himself with like some of the kind of software developers or engineers, or whatever, all working on something, or whatever. And it's basically all guys. Not only is it all guys, but the only. And here, I mean, don't beat me up for this, right? But the only white Caucasian guy that I can pick out in that picture, well, actually, maybe there's two. Well, there's the Elon one, Musk, but he's he's African. He's, he's so. South African. So the guy at the very front there and one guy stuck in the middle on the right at the back. But the rest are all, you know. Mostly Asian. Yeah, I mean, they're Americans, but, well, I suppose they're Americans. But yeah, Asians, you know, um, Indian type. I don't know, obviously, their, their ethnicities or where they're from, whatever, uh, originally. But it's interesting. Um, and then on the left, obviously, someone put that up. I don't know. That's obviously is, is Twitter employees. But it may have just been Twitter uh, Twitter women or something together or something like that. Who knows? Uh, there's one, <laughs> one or two guys at the back on the left picture there. Uh, but yeah. Anyway. Um, just before I yeah, do your we're moving on, I suppose. Musk is... In, um, he's he's heading into dangerous waters. I think. Um, in general, having the poll, but also buying Twitter, the other things he's done since coming on Twitter, and now what we saw last two weeks ago, he tweeted at Hillary Clinton, then deleted it, thought better. <laughs> And now he's responding to Jonathan Greenblatt. Jonathan Greenblatt is the head, the current CEO of the uh, ADL. ADL, Anti-Defamation League. Oh, my God, you don't ever want to cross them because cancelled. So Greenblatt is... He says, allowing Trump back on Twitter, sensibly after a brief poll, shows he's not remotely serious about safeguarding the platform from hate, harassment and misinformation. Well, ADL, Israel, Trump, greatest president ever for Israel. Move the, move the embassy to Jerusalem? Why is he hating on Trump? No, the overwhelming majority of Jews vote Democrat in the US. That whole play by Trump didn't work. He was, he was hoping to get Jews, yeah. just more Jews to swing over. But So what's your point with this one? Well, that's Greenblatt signaling that the ADL is unhappy with right. this direction Musk is taking. And when they get unhappy with things, really bad shit tends to follow. So Musk... <laughs> he's, he's a dude. He he's, responds. That's a great response. He's poking a lot of nests. Stop defaming me. Yeah, anti-defamation league. Um, yeah. I remember he tweeted in May before he even bought. Well, he'd already he'd already floated the idea. He just tweeted a single line tweet. You know, if anything happens to me, it'd be nice knowing you. Mm. Mm. But he he know he seems to know what the kind of risks of what who who cannot know after seeing observing what happened to Trump you know it's a risky game, um, but maybe 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 this is it it'll just be limited to Twitter it won't affect anything. I don't know though why else why would you invest forty four billion? Yeah, I know it's to make money. Of course, he wants to see a return on his investment. I presume. But no, I think he wants to. He obviously has. I'd a say plan. I'd, no, not even a bigger plan. I'd say he has an interest in in uh, the information sphere and providing. You know, he probably. I can you imagine yourself if, if you have a problem with like you know a lot of if you realize a lot of media disinformation, a lot of 
media, you know, division, left versus right. You know, there's all of, a lot of truth is lost in the in the noise and the fighting and stuff. If you had the opportunity, you might want to create or or get hold of a platform that you could, or at least you think you could, turn into something a bit more objective, yeah. an objective source of information. Yeah, but right there, you're going you're you're going to come up against a regime that is Im- immersed in subjectivity. That the whole battle, the great battle that's going on, it's subjectivity versus objectivity. Yeah. Um, sooner or later, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to clash hard mm. with the regime. Here's, here's Macron getting slapped the other day. No, that's from years ago. Is it? Yeah. No, I was just, I was just. No, no, no. That, that's from two years ago. That's, the guy, interesting. There's his connection to the medieval France. Actually, the guy uh, is a royalist. Right. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The member no. of, of a kind of proto-political. No, but that's a woman. France. No, a long-haired dude. Oh, he, yeah. He, sa- he says... Oh, yeah, yeah, he shouted... Oh, he, he shouted a famous medieval, right. the, the knights around the round table. Right. There really is a story about that in France. Right. And they would, they would, at the end of their meetings, they would say something like, Mon joie et Saint-Denis. Right. That was their kind of slogan or cheer, right. salute. And he said that, Mon joie et Saint-Denis, à bas la Macronie, and yeah. down with Macronism. Then he proceeded to slap him. What is new, though, maybe maybe it went out again this week, is that he was convicted, I think, recently. Right. He got two years in prison or something. Yeah. Um, U.S. midterms, is that history now? Are, are we still there? I mean, the last Lake, time we talked about this, they said, uh, Maricopa County said, well, it, it might be next week. So that week has come and gone. On Thursday, they said, it looks like, it looks like, they didn't say what had happened. It looks like, her opponent, Katie Hobbs, has won governorship in mm-hmm. Arizona. Carrie Lake's response is, uh, see you in court. Good luck. I don't think she stands a chance um, if the court even agrees to see it, mm-hmm. you know, after what happened. Yeah, she has refused to concede, basically. Um, so maybe she'll fight it, but the chances of being overturned are slim. Um, yeah, she's appealing. That's the latest, but... I don't know. It, it, they, it, as soon as they let one, because the, in every case, it's a, it's a Republican overturning. In fact, in every case, it's a Trumpist allied Republican who mm-hmm. wants to overturn. Once they let one win, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're going to sure, cause yeah. more doubt in, our, in the integrity of our system than ever before. So they now have to lock out every challenge mm-hmm. in court, every single one of the Republican yeah. Trump candidates who lost by a hair's breath. They, they can't. They can't let it go to court and if they do, they can't let it win it in court. Right. Um, there's an interesting um, side note to Carrie Lake this week. This is in the Washington Examiner, but we're not going to bother. We're going to go to a tweet about it because we see Carrie Lake's response to the Examiner on Twitter in real time. Um, it's, it's really suggestive of what's going on the U.S. midterm results. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Washington Examiner on, the date's not there, but I think it was early last week. So we're still in the air as to whether she won or not. They ran a, an article headline, Carrie Lake can be conservative superstar if she dumps Trump. Strategist says... I don't remember if it named the strategist, but it's like some top, like GOP 
mainstream establishment GOP strategist. So he's the he's the consultant you pull in. You want to get the numbers from this segment of the vote. You got to shape your message. Blah blah blah. Right. He's one of those old school uh, kind of people Trump never needed to win, um, but which some of the more mainstream candidates do use. And the gist of the article was indeed, um, it began by saying she's no chance this week, but she could be a superstar in the future, maybe even a president. It, yeah. was, it reminded me of the one they did about uh, DeSantis, DeSantis yeah. the week before. DeSantis, Anybody but Trump. great future for DeSantis. All the liberal uh, legacy mm. media, oh, DeSantis, great things happening if he dumps Trump. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. And she replied directly, as you see there, never. I believe her. I think she's she's only in this because of Trump. She said that the only reason I'm going to politics um, because he got it right. Well, before we just get off on the whole, I mean, it's a bit of a damp squib for the whole Trump thing. Trump reinstated on Twitter and stuff. He just threw that one up, Scotty. Um, it's uh, Trump has said um, that he uh, he sees a lot of problems. This is on Truth Social, which is his own yeah. uh, social media platform. He says he sees a lot of problems at Twitter and will stick to his own social media platform. Thanks, but no thanks. So I ain't tweeting on your Twitter. Yeah. So far, anyway. So um, it's a bit of a damn script. Did he say it on so? Uh, we can't see it. You know, uh, only in the US can you see Truth Social. We go to it uh, in Europe and it's it just doesn't exist yet. They say they're working on it, but... So basically, Trump is yeah he is in a bubble, so to speak. But it's it's all American. Mm-hmm. Did, are you sure he 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 said that himself? Because well, it's quoted by whatever. I have Reuters saying that um, similar. He wouldn't be rejoining Twitter anytime soon, mm-hmm. which puts a damper, like you said, on the whole thing. Yep. But um, it doesn't stop. There's funny memes about it, though. Um, obviously, people are super excited. Do you think uh, he'll stick to his guns? Have to wait and see. Yeah, it puts a, it puts a damper on it because, um, you know, Trump was funny on Twitter, like, you know, kept it entertaining. You know, he was the entertainment, you know. Um, the reason I was on Macron there, the reason I saw his, uh, that slap video, like you said, from a couple of years ago, he was at the, what's APEC? Um... Asia Pacific East. Was that part of the G20? It followed right yeah, after. Right. They, they shovel a bunch of different ones on on top of the, the G20. Uh, did you see that one where he's talking about the... He's using the same... Was it Borel? Talked about the jungle and the garden. Mm. He, he, just, he just went with the jungle um, analogy. Check out what he says here. We are in a jungle and we have two big elephants trying to become more and more nervous. If they become very nervous and start war, it will be a big problem for the whole, the rest of the jungle. You need cooperation of a lot of other animals. Tigers, monkeys, and so on. French monkeys. Are you on the US and the Chinese side? Because now, progressively, a lot of people would like to see there, there are two orders in this world. This is a huge mistake even for both the U.S. and China. We need a single global order. Mm-hmm. A new world order. Thank you, Mr. Rothschild. <laughs> yeah, well, there need, there need not be a bifurcation. There need not be. I mean, China is like 
what we're saying, China, is there can no longer be hegemony. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean, you know, that's the end of all good things for you over there no. in, the, in the Atlantic. Um, it's it's the, the bifurcation into two is a result of the strength with which the existing order is digging in its heels mm -hmm. and not adapting to new realities. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the global order, obviously, he's speaking of is one that would is it's insinuating itself into being globalist. That's why Americans can look out and criticize it as an external factor, external force. It's nothing to do with us. It's the UN. It's Klaus Schwab coming, George Soros, is, even though he's nominally a U.S. citizen, they're mm -hmm. coming in from above to subvert us to an outside external order. But really, it's an American order, mm -hmm. that global world order. Mm -hmm. And so along comes China, and China, of course, is, just wants to, its influence to be uh, to match the parity of its size and economic value, you know, mm -hmm. reach and so on. And that's being interpreted by the U.S. as a challenger to be isolated, contained, sanctioned, and mm -hmm. so on. Um, and eventually, he's right. Eventually, it would, if it, all things being equal, it would lead. It would lead to a war. This the the, the people are writing whole books on this, and theorizing that the. What is it, the TUCD's um, equation or conundrum or something? Mm -hmm. The Greek Greek writer wrote that, you know, whenever there's a challenger, there's nearly always going to be a great war. Mm -hmm. um, and then people have, you know, done comparisons down to the known history. And in all but two instances, there was a, some kind of a large conflagration between the one that was coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, exceptions are the British and the Americans. Power was handed over without one. Right. Arguably, though, arguably, though, there were two world wars that framed that whole transfer. Yeah, but you could see the anyway. Second World War in particular as a, as a subversion of, of, of the English dominance and the transference to the US, you know. Yeah. Um, without it, would have happened. You know? Yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it's that kind of... he As a Westerner, Macron there, especially as a... Why can't we all be friends? But really, it's a globalist kind of. What he's really saying is, listen, there's no need for someone else to set up a parallel system with bricks and a bricks, you know, basket of currencies. We have a nice system. Here. Don't don't mess it up. There's already one. Mm -hmm. But he's presenting it as a Westerner, as universally a given that others would accept the terms of, mm. a, of that club. Well, but that club, haven't. when you get into it, it looks the same, right? People see them all at the G20 in their the skepticism, and I don't blame them. They go, look at them all with their family photo, all, in together. all looking, they're wearing silly shirts, smiling in the same room with Klaus Schwab. Uh, therefore, Xi Jinping and Putin's representative, Lavrov, uh, Biden and the, the host, Widodo of Indonesia, they're all... They're, they're all in it together against us, but there's a shitload more going on behind it. There's a dynamic taking place there. Yeah. That, and he is kind of talking to it here where he's like, let's just have it as one order. Why have a great conflagration if that's where it tends to? And then reset of some kind a new global order. Mm -hmm. Can we just avoid the war part? Mm -hmm. In a sense, mm -hmm. he's, he's calling for peace and that's reasonable. But the insidious part of it is 
he's in, he's implying the obviousness, duh, of why does the whole world not just accept the beautiful one world order we've just created already? There's no need for a parallel one, mm -hmm. but there is a need for it. Mm -hmm. There is a need because it, it's it's heavily heavily unjust as outlined very clearly by Putin in three or four speeches this year. It's, it's just phenomenally unjust. Basically, it is the 80% over here, 80% of people and the resources, will give all the resources most as cheap as possible to these 20% over here who get to produce all the high-tech, high-end stuff and live, live well, the golden billion. And the rest of you, well, we'll trade back to you some stuff, but not... Not everything. Because we don't want you coming up the right. ladder to parity with yeah, us. Yeah, we'll keep you down, yeah. So. Yeah. Last Sunday when we were talking, uh, there was a bombing in, in Istanbul, on a street, on a street right. in Istanbul. Um, and, um, and we, because our live stream was cut out last week, we didn't get to talk about it. But, um, you know. If you if you understand if you're you know if you understand geopolitics you know, of that region and in general the global geopolitics and that kind of stuff when you see something like that happening there's always questions to be asked you know and we've you know, we've asked those questions repeatedly over the past twenty years when stuff like that has happened um, you know that someone's interest is being served or someone obviously someone's interest is being served but there's a message often very very often being sent by someone to someone else uh, in this case um, the obvious thing would be that this was uh, well, the go-to conspiracy theory, if you want to call it that, would be that this was uh, the West, basically, pr probably the US, the British, whatever, uh, sending a message to um, to the Tur to Turkey, to the Turkish government, that they're not happy with the Turkish government. I mean, the general thesis is that Western powers have kept these vassals, the ones that you just described in the 80%, kept them in line when they would get out of line or would, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be playing their playing their role properly uh, they would send a message by uh, intimating or causing some kind of a disturbance within the country very often terrorism is very useful in that respect because terrorism is this blanket term that you know is vague and amorphous and you can get away with a lot just saying oh terrorists did that you know well whose terrorists are they and what were you trying to do you know um, so that's being the, as a general rule that's that's true you know it's not always exactly that case but off it's often it's Nearly always a good idea to look at that to see if if that's what's going on. In this case, the Turkish uh, interior minister, yeah, uh, Suleiman, had this to say about it to the local Turkish media. Kobani terör bölgelerini besleyen ve oradan Türkiye'nin huzurunu bozmaya çalışan bu anlayışa kendi senatolarından para gönderen bir devletle biz müttefikliğimiz elbette ki tartışılmalıdır. Bu kadar açık ve net. Kimseye kalleşlik yapmıyoruz ama bu kalleşliklere elbette ki tahammül edecek gücümüzün kalmadığını ifade etmek istiyorum. Operasyonlar devam ediyor. Başarılı bir şekilde yapılan operasyonla elbette ki teröristler yakalandı. Okay. Uh, so basically, the key point he's saying there is that we, <coughs> I'm quoting him, he says, we know this event was coordinated. We know there's where this is coordinated from. We know the message given to us. I will emphasize again, we do not accept the condolences of the American ambassador. We reject them. 
Um, that's as pointed as it gets yeah. Um, yeah. in terms of pointing the finger of blame uh, for the bombing on Istanbul Street. He's basically blaming America uh, for, for carrying it out. Um, as, a, as a warning, he says, uh, we know the message given to us, the message being that, you know, we can embroil your country, uh, your society in, you know, in terrorist Terror. acts. Um, that will give you, the government, a serious problem if you don't do what we want you to do. Um, pretty simple. Blackmail. So yeah, it's politics and blackmail. It sure makes you hand. wonder about all the other terrorist attacks. Yeah, of course. I mean, once you get in that rabbit hole, you better. better but he, he, he broke the fourth, the fourth wall rule or whatever rule they have. There's a kind of a rule among the elites. You don't yeah. to go and do that. But <laughs> no, yeah. what's, what's telling about this is how fast they went to you did it. Mm. You know, that's unusual. Um, and this is in the context of, of um, just in terms of what message the U.S. would be sending to Turkey. It's like t- Turkey has been bombing what it calls terrorist targets in Syria and Iraq, basically Kurdish targets in Syria and Iraq. Now, Turkey has had a problem with the Kurds for a long time, and the whole Syria conflict complicated that very much. And Turkey was directly involved in it as it saw it as protecting its border from any incursion or any attempt at establishment of a Kurdish state uh, that would straddle the border in uh, certain Syria and, and con- you know, continue over in, into Turkey, into historical Kurdistan, as the Kurds call it and stuff. And, of course, the Americans have been buddy-buddy uh, <clears throat> with the Kurds all along. Um, so, um, you know, th- th- there's probably a lot of fog of war stuff going on here where there's obviously there's American troops in Syria and Iraq still, and you have Turkey bombing uh, U.S.-supported uh, Kurdish troops in Kurdish soldiers or Kurdish uh, detachments in Syria and in Iraq, and you know maybe getting close to you know, which probably have bombing Amer- Americans, Amer- American yeah mercenaries among yeah them. similar to, similar situation to Ukraine in a way yeah. really, um, although longer term going on for a longer term and lower level conflict you know, um, yeah and uh, just they published a video of the arrest of. One of the suspects, a black woman, well, she looked black anyway, mixed race, not Turkish looking. Right. She had a New York City emblazoned on her. Maybe they, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just a symbolic coincidence. But um, there was also a report I saw that two women she was walking with down the street before she left the, the bag down on the ground were Israeli tourists. Hmm. Uh, it's time to buy some silver, maybe. Like, and I mean, right now, as in very, very soon. This is on RT. Um, apparently, the world is headed for a silver de- deficit. Global consumption is expected to rise sharply by year's end, resulting in the biggest demand supply gap in decades. Um, so, if you want to make a quick buck, silver is pretty cheap uh, per, per ounce. Still, twenty dollars, some twenty, twenty, and a few dollars. Um, could double your money. Thanks, Joe. This is uh, this has been Joe with this week's Newsreel e- investment e- tip. Investment tip. Uh, <laughs> other than that, um, <coughs> on Syria, Germany's going uh, to freeze. The, uh, what? Oh, the Russians. Um, interesting development. They opened Syrian airspace to Turkish fighters this week. The Russians did? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're allowing Turkish Air Force 
yeah. to fly to Syria. There's a lot of... I presume then Assad agrees with that. Right. Or maybe he doesn't have a say in it. Well, it's being brokered by the Russians, you know. So, I mean, there's a lot of changes afoot, basically a lot of alliances being made that are not, you know, that are um, orthogonal to the traditional alliances of the um, unipolar world order. The rules-based international order, there's a lot of changes afoot and, you know, America's not happy about it, but what can they do? Um, this, what else, what about Ukraine? You mentioned, oh, did you mention Ukraine? No, you mentioned Russia. Russia and Ukraine. Um, um, what's going on? They're, they're losing bigly still, right? The Ukrainians? No, the Russians. <laughs> Come on. They ran, out of, they ran out of missiles this week, didn't they? Yeah, no. No, they didn't. They blitzed Ukraine with uh, salvo again last week. Hundred, um, yeah. Ukraine's in the dark. Mass protests have started in Odessa and other southern cities because people are freezing mm-hmm. and there's no electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw that the the Ukrainians who moved back mm-hmm. into Kherson or who stayed and are see themselves as Ukrainians are now being asked to evacuate by. The Ukrainians. The temporary Ukrainian authorities yeah. are new because the cities, it's unlivable. Yeah. There um, were a few thousand, I think, people had stayed out of, I think it's 200,000 originally in the, in the entire Kherson, not the oblast, but in the Kherson city you know, metro mm-hmm. area. Um, a lot of them were actually evacuated, were moved over at least to the other side of the river. Um, so a certain number, relatively few thousand stayed. Um, and of course, the Ukrainians use that as a, as a propaganda opportunity uh, to get the optics, get some good optics in that world. You know, they have the Ukrainians marching into crowds or cheering people. Yay, liberators, you freed us from the evil Russians, blah, blah, blah. Jeez, there's so much. It's just that whole fog of war and propaganda yeah. is just so crass. It's terrible. I mean, yeah. uh, it's, it's, you have to assume all the time that it's a lie, basically. Yeah, and they're getting caught up in their own bullshit. Initially, they said they would only allow in CNN, Sky News, right. and BBC reporters. And they did. They got some footage of the, the great liberation right. of Kherson City. But then they started asking Even in the questions. midst of that footage, though, the stock footage, they still had people giving, you know, the Sikh Heil salute. Right. <laughs> So they, Which got aired on CNN. So CNN got booted then. Well, no, it wasn't because of that. They no. got, they, there's basically they started hog-tying people to lampposts mm-hmm. again and torturing them and probably committing executions. Who the hell knows? Um, so they were asked to politely to leave. Yeah. So Kirsten is now in the dark information-wise for mm-hmm. that reason as well. Um, the At the end of the salvo, remember what happened? The whole world was on the brink of nuclear. We forget, you know, it's just six days ago, but the world was on the brink of nuclear war, in quotes, mm-hmm. according to the Western media, because Russia had, quote, bombed Poland. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, oh my God, for the hysterical people in Western capitals, they went, are we on the brink of apocalypse? Because mm-hmm. Russia just bombed a NATO country. That would trigger Article 5, ergo, blah, 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 blah. Within 24 hours, actually, it was a Ukrainian missile. Right. Even the U.S. State Department said so. And I mean, it's still open, I suppose, but... Scott Ritter thinks it was deliberate. I had to agree with him. Well, yeah, it's, it's, still, r- it's still open. It's gone the wrong direction, obviously, yeah. I mean, yeah. it could be wayward or something. I mean, who knows? But I doubt, um, I doubt a missile that was fired that, you know, at no target or whatever it, it 
would turn around and go in the opposite direction. It's, you know, it's possible, I suppose, in some rare set of set of circumstances or whatever. But the fact that it it went in the wrong direction, you know, you have you have Russian missiles coming from the from the east, um, and Ukrainian so supposed Ukrainian air defense is firing at those missiles coming from the east, so they're firing towards the east as well. Uh, but one of them ends up going west hmm. uh, and landing in Poland. There doesn't is. make a lot of sense. Well, there, there is an odd precedent. Mm. Something landed in, in Zagreb, Croatia. Right. Back that in was March. a drone, though. They called it a drone, but when you looked at it, it was a Soviet-era proto-drone. It's basically mm. a missile with a couple of wings on it. Yeah. Um, really slow-moving thing. And it, right. <laughs> they ended up in Croatia. But no one can, knows how. But that kind of thing could go off course, you know what I mean? Could okay. malfunction and go and just end up randomly anywhere, you know what I mean? Okay. But... Um, because it seems that the, it seems the evidence is that that the missile that landed in Poland was an S three hundred. You know that's much less likely to go radically off course, i.e., in the exact opposite direction than it was supposedly fired. So it may, and of course, Zelensky was doubling down on no, this is a Russian missile. They deliberately attacked Poland. We got to do we got to do Article five. Uh, NATO has to attack Russia, and uh, even NATO was saying Zelensky, shut the hell up, will you? Yeah, yeah. Look, this looks like it was a Ukrainian missile, so just shut up. And he's like, no. No, we set this up in advance, people. Don't you get the memo? Did, don't you understand the point here? Like, between the lines, I was, I fired this, I, I ordered, we ordered this missile, we had this missile fired directly at Poland, so you could use it as justification to attack Russia. Why aren't you doing it? I mean, is he that, is he that detached? Like, are the Ukrainians that detached, even from their NATO, NATO masters? Weird. Well, the, um, Dmitry... Ex, ex-president of Russia. Medvedev? Medvedev. Yeah. He said this week, he said something a little more sober, a little less uh, apocalyptic. Uh, he reckons that they're, they are, the push from the West on Zelensky to negotiate is increasing, although he didn't see that actually happening. Um, you notice also that the dial on Russia hysteria has turned way down and the news in general reported in the West about what's happening in Ukraine has died way down. Because winter's they, coming. Winter's coming. Probably a pause <coughs> in actual activity and yet last week there was a barrage of 100 missiles of course, marking yeah. at another 20% of Ukraine's energy but um, a pause may be but also uh, it speaks to the inevitability that Russia has basically got Ukraine in a total grip or close to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're still throwing thousands at the front in Kherson and elsewhere Um but it's not Russians who are being killed by them, mostly. Yeah. Um, there's one of a horrific uh, counterexample of that I'll bring up in a minute. But first, um, I've just sent you a link, Scotty. This is footage of the Zaporizhian nuclear power plant being shelled and hit. You see it being hit this week. Mm. The Russians aren't doing this. This is the Yukis. All this whole six months, they've been trying to blow up the largest nuclear power plant in mm-hmm. Europe. Imagine being in a nuclear power plant and seeing missiles or, you know, uh, mortars. Yeah, two buildings over. The advisor, uh, 
the Russian Nuclear Energy Agency, Ross, Ross Energatom, um, the Director General of Russia's Nuclear Agency, says that 12 rockets were fired. Six of them ended up in the pool of the reactor, of one of the reactors. Hmm. These guys are targeting the reactors. They're trying to cause Chernobyl, and it's just crickets in the media. It's, it's pretty desperate. It's... I mean, it's desperate measures. Is hypocrisy the word? Is I, I, I don't know. Maybe they hope by now would have happened, and they could just hornswoggle the Western population into assuming it was Russia that did it. Mm-hmm. But like by now, the IAEA have been there; they know it's under Russian control. That the civilians are trying to run it to keep it just just functional, not you know melting down, and the Yukis are targeting the fucking reactors. Yeah. <laughs> Um, la la la. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Russia's the well, this has been happening um, throughout, but um, another horrific video surface of Russian POWs mm-hmm. being killed. Um, like they have, you've probably seen it. Yeah. Uh, I won't show it, but um, ten of them were lined up and shot dead, executed. The Russians have announced that they've ID'd who the two of the two of the Ukrainian fighters were. They have their names and they're going to hunt them down and try to capture them alive, bring mm-hmm. them to Russia. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there's going to be, in terms of the future of, of Ukraine, it's going to, I mean, they're all been predicting a kind of slowdown over the winter, you know. Um, there's still a lot of fighting going on. Donbass, you know, I mean, again, I think I wrote about it in Twitter this week or whatever, that people, there, there a, fault, a false premise was spread about the nature of the Ukrainian con- conflict from the very beginning um, by the Western media on purpose, deliberately, to, to set it up in advance so that uh, they could maximize the opportunity for them to say Russia's failing, Russia's failing. So the way they do that is, the way they did that was to uh, tell everybody, without any evidence, tell everybody and all the readers in, in the Western world and in, and in many places around the world, I suppose, as possible, that Russia's intention was to take all of Ukraine. That was never stated by the Russians, by any Russian government official ever, that their intention was to take Ukraine. They were very explicit that their goal was the protection of Donbass um, and by implication the protection of Crimea and the demilitarization of Ukraine. So it was never stated explicitly or implicitly that taking all of Ukraine, taking Kiev, whatever was it was a plan. Um, but the media ran with it because they could say, see, you know, they, they basically say, this is what they're going to do. And then when they don't do that, because that's not what they were going to do, they say, see, they're failing because they didn't do what they mm. never said they were going to do. That's the level of, of Western media uh, reporting on this conflict. Um, so the pulling back from, from Kherson was like, is, you know, it, it does, it's strategic in the sense that Kherson, that Kherson area that they pulled back from to the other side of the river isn't necessarily, you know, isn't strategically important from the point of view of the goals of the special military operation, as they call it, which, like I said, was to protect, uh, to secure Donbass, the Donbass region, uh, the two oblasts, and the areas that have already taken along uh, along the the Black Sea, uh, Mariupol, and over to over basically to the to the Dnieper River. Um, if Russia basically secures that in perpetuity, which secures Donbass, you know that whole eastern kind of sliver or, or, or chunk of, of Ukraine, uh, including, like I said, Luhansk, Donetsk, and Crimea, 
and makes that makes that a fait accompli. Basically, it's it's secure, it's safe, it's it's never going back to Crimea or never going back to Ukraine. Um, and they effectively, you know, work on well. If in the in the end in the final analysis, if Ukraine has been reduced to a kind of failed state and there's a change of government and all that kind of stuff, that's the goals. That's that is that was the goal. That will have been the goal of the of the Russians uh, Russian military special military operation in in Ukraine. Um, it's still not over. Obviously, it's going to continue on. But I think we can expect to have more like continued. There is continuing pretty fierce fighting going on uh, in the parts of Donbass that aren't under Russian control. Um, and be, I think they'll just set, it, set themselves up to protect the areas that they have already... Um, that they have already... Conquered. Uh, say it, Joe. Conquered. Annexed. I wanted to say annexed. Say um, it, Liberated. Expropriated. Um, and they'll focus more on protecting those, uh, protecting those areas and to periodically... I mean, it may come relatively soon as well, more cruise missile and other uh, drone, etc. strikes on Ukrainian infrastructure to reduce it basically to rubble and to create a serious crisis in the whole country. And serious you may have, refugee crisis. Yeah, you Europe. may have millions and millions of people leaving Talking Ukraine. about directed migration. Yeah, there's, Russia's... There's some of that's going to happen here. Yeah, Russia's not messing around like in, in terms of... There's 40 in, million people. Yeah, I know. Well, less now, but... Yeah, but they're, then they... They were never messing around and they're not messing around in Ukraine. And they're not, you know, like we've said many times before, the West has already long before now leveled the worst possible slurs and slanders and defamation against Russia and particularly against Putin as they possibly can. They, they can't go any further. You know, Russia's absorbed all of that already. OK, say your worst. You've said your worst already years ago. Putin killed my baby, M817, the scribbles, you know, etc., etc., hacking our elections, all that kind of stuff. They've defamed Russia up the wazoo, like there's nowhere else to go. So Russia, in that sense, Russia, that frees Russia up to do whatever it sees necessary and say, well, you know, what, are you, you going to call us poopy head again? You're going to say we're naughty again? You're going to say we're bad? You're going to say Putin killed my baby again? Go ahead, say it. I don't care. You know, we're carrying on doing what, what we need to do. And what they need to do, like I said, is the ultimately regime change or the, the a, a radical phase change in the nature of Ukrainian society, basically, and particularly in, in terms of the, the ruling elite. Uh, and that's where they're that's where they're going, and it'll take as long as it takes. Yeah. To all this hand wringing and doomers and oh, Russia's failing, and all the media, you know, Western media, Russia's failing, it's going to collapse. I mean, it's all just bullshit. It's nonsense. Like it's just so much hot air. Mm. Uh, that misses the actual reality on the ground of what the what the plan is. You know? Yeah, I think though the the West will maybe counteract with scorched earth or scorched earth policy. That's why they see them trying to cause a nuclear incident in Zaporizhia. Yeah, for sure they'll try anything. Okay, you want Ukraine? Well, no, no. We know we don't really want all of Ukraine, but what if we leave you a situation where, in fact, we're aware of your goodwill? towards Ukraine as a whole. Mm -hmm. What we're going to do is um, abuse that by giving you no choice but to actually become, not to incorporate the whole country, but to be left to clean up the mess of the whole country. Effectively, mm -hmm. you're going to have to rebuild all of it mm -hmm. from the scratch. That wouldn't surprise me, that they don't mind leaving it all in ruins for Russia to, to handle. Mm -hmm. You know? And maybe Russia wouldn't handle it then, but then it becomes nobody's. 
becomes a it's a pretty dismal future for most of Ukraine. Like Russia will take care well, of the eastern part, but the nobody rest. wants a failed state on their border. So, well, but there it's on it's on Europe's border as well. And where are the people going to go? Where are most Ukrainians going to go if the state fails? Like you said, a, a refugee crisis. Where are most refugees going to go? Westward, yeah. So who's, who, who does it give the biggest problem to, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Ukraine. I... Yeah. It's... it's and the tragedy of it is, like Macron was hinting at, you know, why do we have two systems? Like, Russian, Russia never had absolutist no. position. It, w- it was open for a, you know, a deal, agreements, you know, a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be all or nothing? Yeah. Why does Ukraine have to be in the EU and then break all of its economic relations with us? Why does it have to be in NATO and then affect our security? Can we not just... But they pushed, they pushed with this absolutist... The all um, or nothing problem. You're with us or you're against us. Yeah. It comes back to George W. Bush yeah. after 9-11. His, me- his message then is still echoing mm-hmm. down to today. You're either with us or you're against us. Yeah. Well, the all or nothing attitude comes from the fact that if you have all, the idea of changing that situation makes you feel like you'll have nothing. Makes right. you feel that way. Doesn't, you know, that's not actually objectively true, but that's how you feel about it because you're so used to... Uh, having everything, having you know the, the the final say on everything, any change in that feels like a complete disaster to you. you know? Yeah. So from Ukraine to Iran, mayhem there. Over three hundred and fifty people killed. Now they say in the Western reports about it, killed by security security forces. But that's not the whole story. Um, indeed, those riots in Iran. Indeed, it's a serious situation. Um, but who's doing the killing? Who's killing all the cops? Um, and who is shooting protesters in the head from the tops of buildings? I seriously doubt it's the Iranian government who's behind this. Here's a video from this week. It's one of many, actually. The Iranian government calls it terrorism. That's, no, that's what it is. It's not quite you know, car bombs and stuff yet, but... These are quote unquote protesters on the streets. Crack. You hear this micro shot, he drops. I've seen a number of such videos. Mm-hmm. Just randomly, yeah. Just randomly picked out. So in the West, of course, this is all reported as well. That's the regime so evil, you see. They're innocent. Pro- I mean, they, they even went with a fake news piece that got picked up. You know, Trudeau got excoriated for, for retweeting it. 15,000 Iranian protesters sentenced to death by the regime. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, um, other Western papers are like, no, that, that's, that can't be right. And it's, it's bullshit. They have indeed had uh, court cases and sentenced people to death in a couple of instances I know of. Um, but uh, they completely leave out the context that there are weapons being funneled in, there are people being shot in the head by people or by forces unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen another video, don't have it with me, of a protest turns violent, just one of those things, mm-hmm. and one of the protesters has a Kalashnikov and he's firing back at police. I mean, where did they get that from? You know, uh, is he there because he's because of his bleeding heart? 
he's concerned that women in Iran shouldn't wear the hijab or does he have another goal in mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Iranian government has rightly spoken up and said, this just what is just shocking, the, the global silence on what's taking place there. Mm-hmm. Um, Iran blasts world silence over terrorist attacks. Um, it's it's pretty obvious to me what's happening because I've seen this all before. In 2009, Iran had, held elections. The elections went ahead. They, they do, believe it or not, have popular democratic vote for the office of presidency. Mm-hmm. In that case, Ahmadinejad won in, you know, soundly in a landslide election victory. It should have been a, you know, a celebration for his movement. He was actually a lefty. He, mm-hmm. Relatively speaking, he was an Iranian lefty, kind mm-hmm. of a socialist, you know, mm-hmm. from the working class himself. That turned into a democracy protest against the result. The claim was the result had been rigged, mm-hmm. see? And uh, Iranian, the, the media, West, especially Western media, amplified it, the message throughout Iran. And you had the more urban, Twitterati intellectual types leading a quote-unquote green revolution, protesting the illegitimate results as they saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, protest, quote-unquote, turned violent, and at the peak of it, someone started firing from sniper rifles mm-hmm. from rooftops, mm-hmm. killing both cops on the one street and on the same street down here, protesters. And so, one of those women, women who were killed, in, uh, her name was Neda. Mm-hmm. You remember her image was sent out? It was one of the first yeah. kind of Twitter viral mm-hmm. social media, the world must do something about Iran mm-hmm. campaigns. Blogger. 2009. Um, she became the, the, the poster child of it. But it was never actually solved who was doing the firing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the whole you know, random sniper thing is, uh, is, is is straight out of the West's playbook uh, in terms of encouraging... Egypt encouraging, 2011. Encouraging revolutions, yeah. Well, in Ukraine, Maidan. Ukraine, Kiev 2014. Yeah, and many other places before that. Um, just throw up that map there, just to give you an idea. I mean, you talk about where, the th- where, where weapons are coming into Iran. Obviously, they can come in from different areas, but um, that shaded area is Kurdistan. Um and the Iranians are um, there's there's a headline here from um, AFP actually activists fear major Iran crackdown in Kurdish populated towns over in the western part of uh, Iran so part of the activism um, that's going on in Iran is 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 being you know led by Kurdish groups. The Kurds just... Uh, Kurdish history is crazy. I mean, they've just been an imperial plaything for yeah. like a uh, hundred years or more. Yeah. Uh, Western, particularly Western imperial plaything for for the past few, the past hundred years. Um, <clears throat> they've been toyed with, been promised all sorts of things, but they're just, they've been instrumentalized so often in, in the interest of imperial designs, you know, and it seems like it's happening again, you know, uh, against Turkey, against Iran, uh, you know, and, and the, right there in the middle of the, those, those three, four countries, basically, Iran, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, in that Kurdish area, you have the Americans, you know, set up, uh, set, have set up bases and have been working with Kurdish militant groups and paramilitary groups uh, for, for uh, in, the, in the latest incarnation of it for the past, you know, seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, so it's not good. Wherever America goes, the empire of chaos, uh, chaos, chaos follows. And it's all in the interest of propping up a failing empire. 
Yeah, so. Well, um, anything else of note, of interest? Um, How long is your Poirot mustache going to grow? As long as as it takes to reinstate Trump. As long as it wants to. Um, Yeah, anything else, no? Uh, That you really, really, really wanted to talk about? um, Excess deaths remain high, higher than should be. Yeah. Meh. I mean, like, that's not important news, Neil. It was important a couple Pe- of years ago, but people, not anymore. People who are onto that bite into it, you know, they're like, yes, now I see this is all the depopulation agenda. The agenda is to mm. get rid of a bunch of us. The problem with that, though, um, it's not a bad conclusion. It's a hor- Well, it is a horrible conclusion, but it's not a bad conclusion to make logically. But... The West, at the same time, especially the U.S. and the EU, obsessed, obsessed about getting in as many migrants as possible. Mm-hmm. And they're still doing it. I mean, Chuck Schumer actually articulated something this week that kind of um, was either a conspiracy theory or it was the quiet part never said out loud until he said it. Mm-hmm. The whole back and forth in the American public discourse about what to do with the open border. Oh, gosh, it's just one of those things. They keep coming. We, you know, mm-hmm. we can't control the border. Don't mind Trump, what Trump, he was false, promising you false things. Anyway, you don't want the open border. You need, you know, you need people to come in. Well, he articulated something that is officially a conspiracy theory that's denounced roundly at every turn. The Great Replacement. Mm-hmm. let's have a listen to him explain why he thinks as many people as possible should be allowed into the US now more than ever we're short of workers uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to the only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants the dreamers and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. We have a population that is not reproducing on its own at the same level that it used to. That is true of one segment of the United <clears throat> States, yeah. of whites, European stock. Um, the others are either at replacement or growing. Naturally, mm. but he is implying there well, that it's a shortfall. So you need to get in, bring in the, the U.S. population. Still, it, ne- it never dipped. It's no. still growing. It grew through the pandemic, yep. the Black Death of our times. Right? Yep. It's now at three hundred and thirty. It's approaching three, three, three million people. Yeah. and they want more. It's not well, enough. There's a lot of those people who aren't willing to work for it. So somebody has to work to feed them. You know, and if they don't want to do the work to feed themselves, somebody has to be brought in to, to feed them, to keep them in their, keep them in the in the in the lifestyle that they've been accustomed to. So much freedom. Too much freedom, Neil. Too much freedom. Freedom not to work. Freedom to sit back, scratch your backside and have immigrants do all the work. They're doing the same in Europe for some strange reason. Middle Eastern, African and Ukrainian, obviously, but mainly Middle Eastern and African. Funneling, funneling them into Europe. Uh, 
every day, you know. The racist That's angle on this is that Wallace is deliberate. You see, they deliberately worked on the minds of whites in Europe and the US to not reproduce. You know, be as liberal as you can. Don't marry. If you do marry, don't have kids. Abortion, abortion, up the wazoo, right? But I, I think that's that's just a byproduct of many inputs that have led us in that cultural direction. You mm. can't say that's a plan and a conspiracy. I think that's one step too far. But if there is a plan to his words or kind of a vision of the future, I think it's being done with a view to this standoff with China in mind. Mm. They need numbers yeah. to go up against China. They need more workers just yeah, yeah. for immediate short-term reasons. They need people who are going to work, mm. do the menial jobs. But if you remember what we mentioned last week in the show about the signs that the plan afoot vis-a-vis European industry seems to be to deindustrialize it and ship those plants, stock, technology, the whole lot over to the United States mm. with a view to the great standoff mm-hmm. in the future against China. Mm-hmm. So they need they need that criticism that's been laid out of why the U.S. can't really beat Russia, even in just a proxy war against Ukraine, because Russia has the industry behind it to keep producing munitions, mm-hmm. whereas the U.S. and NATO are running out because right. NATO is all sending out their stock. The criticism was we saw from the British think tank, the RUSI, where they said, long term, we can't actually sustain this war because we don't have the industry that's right. building the armament. But what if they are thinking 10 years down the line and doing that, reindustrializing, not so much the with a view to competing with Russia, but China? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I would say also that, you know, they, they might say it's almost like the, the population, especially the white population, but, you know, really a lot of the American population and European populations have been, become kind of uh, disenchanted with lived long enough to the point that they're disenchanted with the government and the, the way governments work in, in the Western world and stuff and there's m- more and more of them looking towards populism and, you know, new systems of government and different systems of government, more direct government or direct um, direct democracy type situations and they say, yeah, we need to bring in some new blood here that'll be more, you know what I mean? Because I'd say that like a lot of, I don't know for sure, but I'd say that a lot of, depending on where they come from, but a lot of immigrants uh, that come into a, a new country would tend to be more pro-government, especially if they're getting government handouts. You know what I mean? They might, they might have done the, they might have um, done their modelling or whatever, and and decided that immigrants tend to be more supportive of the government that hosts them. In you know the ones that actually are, are become 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 useful members of society, they'll vote for this party or that party or the you know the dominant party type thing. Whereas in in, in Europe, like you said, you've got a lot of. Uh, have you heard of Tammany Hall? Uh, this has been well known since the 19th century. Tammany Hall was like somewhere in New York, in one of the New York boroughs, yeah. where the Irish immigrants would come in. Uh-huh. The first thing they give them would be documents for voting. Yeah. And make sure the documents are Democrat. Basically, yeah, exactly. you give them a ballot if yeah. there were elections coming yeah, up. Sure ballot, sign. You want to come into the country? Sign, yeah. Stamp, put your thumb X, you vote Democrat. Right. As soon as you step off that boat. Right, exactly. Tammany Hall, there was a scandal because it was a whole, it was a whole voting slash immigration industry. Mm-hmm about getting all the migrants. In that case, it was a wave of Irish because of the famine and all that. Um, but it's, it's, it's a well-known... Tammany Hall is a notoriously yeah. corrupt so democratic voting machine. So maybe that's part of the thinking as well. 
movies multifaceted the, the idea of bringing in you know the, the the benefits they see to bring yeah. in immigrants are multifaceted but uh, it's all positive from their point of view and like I said it all implies the idea that the current population the endemic population in these countries is just like especially the kind of ones who are have a bit more sense and they're just they're not playing ball anymore we need new, need new blood you know need new fresh blood that isn't jaded as jaded as the existing population you know? yeah uh, one more thing um, before we go. Um, I have one thing as well. You have one. Th- I have one thing and one more thing, and then we'll leave it. Um, this one is uh, one million. Uh, the, the, the headline doesn't really do justice to to what uh, Europe faces: cancer epidemic after estimated one million cases missed during COVID. Now the the article says, well, it's actually sub in the subheading. Reports says a hundred million screenings were lost because of because of the pandemic which had a chilling effect on research. Now, of course, it wasn't because of the pandemic. It was because of the hysterical lockdowns uh, imposed by governments that gave them a real taste of totalitarian rule. Um, so this is totally... I hate the way the media just blames everything on the pandemic rather than the response to the pandemic, which was by far the most significant... Uh, had by far the most significant impact on society than the pandemic itself. I mean, pandemic, pandemic is nothing in the absence of government response to it. What do you do about it? Do you know what I mean? There's no pandemic if I don't believe there's a pandemic. I think it's clearly the government response to it. And the government's re- Western government's response to this pandemic, global government response to this pandemic, was hysterical. Like, beyond all reason, exaggerated, out of all proportion. Um, and, of course, the result was mothballing of, well, business, uh, and particularly uh, businesses, particularly the uh, healthcare system. And they, they fucked over the healthcare system and, and, as a result, fucked over millions and millions of people, hundreds of millions of people. And now it's, ah, uh, yeah, the old COVID did that. Yeah, well, what you can do? Nobody can do anything about it. Do you know what I mean? We, did, we didn't know what we know now. Yeah, we didn't know that. Some people did, but uh, they were the smart, smarty pants ones. But we didn't believe them at the time. Well, no, we called them fake news and yeah. banned them. Yeah. Um, this, this came out this week. Prepare to grit your teeth. Already gritted. Or, yeah, maybe take a breath before you see it. Sending it to Scotty now. FDA says telling people not to take ivermectin for COVID-19 was just a recommendation. Mm. Yeah, that's all it was. You mean the whole horse pace thing was... That was, that's that was just you, like, giving your opinion. Yeah, that's just a recommendation, yeah. yeah. You weren't firing people, you weren't cancelling them on social media because they were saying, you know, it's an impossible alternative to use. Yeah. No, not at all. That's no. all. You just forgot that. Look, we all made mistakes. We all need to just forgive each other, Neil. It was, nobody knew we all made mistakes, right? An amnesty. An amnesty. Yeah, stick your amnesty up your... There's a new, on this note, there's a new, um, a new ident- uh, gender identity just dropped. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Maybe I'll like this one. I think you will. I'm not really a fan of most of them, but... This one's funny. I'm always, I'm hopeful that one day <coughs> a new one will drop. It it resonates with me. I, I I feel I feel like this is one I could be a card carrying member of. Oh yes, trans vaccinated, yes. Absolutely. I am trans vaccinated. It's on my Twitter profile. Uh, I would like to let everyone know uh, that I am now trans vaccinated. Trans vaccinated, that's right. That's someone who believes that they are vaccinated. But I'm really not. Okay. Um, I made this decision because I felt as though I was being attacked. 
in the world from not being vaccinated. And uh, so I decided to uh, become trans-vaccinated. If you agree with me, I appreciate you. And if you have been vaccinated, please accept me as one who has not been vaccinated, but I identify as being vaccinated. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all. I, was, I love you. I hear bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right there with you. I'll go with that one, yeah. Um, it's funny. And I just realize now that I've actually been transvaccinated for two years. I didn't know it. You know what I mean? That's it. I, I'm, I'm having my awakening now, right now, in this moment, that I'm transvaccinated. I thought about it. I thought if I'm going to be pulled, like, dragged into one of these places, which they were threatening to do. We got some places, you know, some mm. countries got to that point where they were calling for dragging them off the streets and mm. sticking the damn needle in their arms, that I would, you know, try and play the yeah. vaccine. Accidentity no. card. You'll, you'll, you'll no, 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 no. Identify as. You'll, you'll find very quickly that that, that uh, all that, that stuff that, that, that kind of diversity stuff is immediately poo pooed, and you're, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, that it. You gonna regale me with something else? I, Some other. They're still protesting in Brazil about their election yeah, results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the millions. Don't talk but about it. But it is an awesome like. I'm impressed. I'm impressed by the the information shield, containment shield. Mm-hmm. I'm making that term up, but that's what it appears to be. It's a black hole. I only get the occasional video snippet of the sizes of crowds. And even then you have to check because some of them are old videos showing earlier protests mm-hmm. or Independence Day celebrations and stuff. But I checked a couple and they're legit. They're like from this week and they're still on the streets en masse. Hmm. Um, and here's a clue as to what's going on in Brazil. Something you can, you know, take to the bank, mm-hmm. pun intended. Um, the government there has begun to do this to the protesters. Well, media silence, no one talks about it, just la la la. Everything's normal over there in Brazil. No, it's not. And this is a clue as to why it's not okay. 18th uh, November, that's two days ago, Brazilian authorities block bank accounts of those allegedly driving, quote, anti-democratic acts. At least 43 people and companies targeted by Supreme Court. Hmm. <clears throat> Reminds me of Canada. Justin Trudeau would be very but happy. It's, it's very freaky, supportive. isn't it freaky? Within a year it began this. That was this year. It seems like a long time ago now, but that was this year, the Canadian trucker convoy. Yeah. And that response to it and the outrage to it, and then they, they quite quickly dropped. Well, well, they didn't. People who organize or organizers there did feel the brunt of it, but mm-hmm. they, did, they did at least drop the emergency, state of emergency, mm-hmm. quite quickly. Um. But within, this, within a year, the precedent catches and is reapplied somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's silence. Mm-hmm. That's, that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. At least when it happened in Canada, at least for us who are tuned into the Anglosphere world, we, we heard about it l- quite loudly and vociferously and people weighed in, <clears> Jordan <throat> Peterson, big names, even American Democratic uh, senators were like, okay, that's a bit too much. You know, everyone had an opinion about it. But it, now it happens in actually a larger country in the same hemisphere yeah crickets yeah if totalitarianism totalitarianism ever comes you know bit by bit 
is it instituted around the world, it'll, it'll be done um, with either the it'll be greeted with either complete silence, complete silence from the media, or with approval or applause from the media. Um, you can take that to the bank because that's the way it's shaping up for sure. Anyway, um, I think we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Um, thanks for watching. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. We'll Don't forget to like, smash all the buttons and stuff because that's good. And thanks for commenting. We'll be back next week with another show. So until then, have a good one. Thanks for watching. Bye, all. Bye. Can't stop the signal now. Mm-hmm.